Novel Ways to Travel. The books we love can provide deep connections to the places we visit, says travel writer and Trinity graduate Paul O'Canela. I'm a writer with a reading problem. When I pick up a book, all it takes is a few paragraphs for my mind to wander. A captivating sentence or image grabs my imagination by the neck. The words come to life. The scenes carry me away. By the time my eyes get back to the page, minutes may have passed. Progress can be slow. It wasn't always this way. I majored in English literature at Trinity and showed up early for my arts degree. I ducked into the lecky library between Freshers' Week festivities and walks in the city. I had energy. I devoured books with pace and purpose. Reading felt like a task I could complete. As my degree and life went on, of course, that changed. The more I walk, the less I know why, Ma Jian wrote of his travels in Red Dust, A Path Through China. The more I read, the less I seemed to, well, know. Now, books pick me up and carry me away, rather than the other way around. Today, I'm a travel writer and editor. It's more than two decades since I graduated, and I've been privileged to travel all over the world. But I've never been in a destination as inspirational as the places a great piece of writing can take me. I've even made time to search out places I've read about in fiction. Landscapes, streets, roads beaches, bars, or restaurants. I'm far from alone. Since my days reading English at Trinity, literary tourism has become a growing trend in travel. More and more readers and book clubs are seeking to go beyond the pages of their books. This isn't new. Fiction and poetry have always inspired our travels. Think of Wordsworth wandering lonely as a cloud in the Lake District, or pilgrims visiting Emily Dickinson's homestead in Amherst. When I mentioned the Orient Express train, what book and author spring to mind? Now, however, travellers are seeking out more experiential, immersive trips. Stuffy sightseeing and glass display cases feel less immediate and engrossing than like a local tours, where visitors can get under the skin of cities and communities. And a new generation of festivals, interactive museums, neighbourhood walking tours, websites and online maps has sprung up to service that. Think of Jane Austen's Hampshire. Zadie Smith's London, or Garcia Marquez's Cartagena. In Ireland, the Patrick Kavanagh Centre in Inishkeen, County Monaghan, has gotten a 1 million euro reboot, with interactive displays and walking and cycling trails, taking in landmarks like the Inishkeen Road and Billy Brennan's Barn. There is a C.S. Lewis trail in Belfast, and the Seamus Heaney home place has breathed new life into Bellachy, County Derry. Last summer, I drove to the Arts and Interpretive Centre's new open ground venture, which sees display panels and audio posts installed at places that inspired Heaney. At the Strand at Loch Beg, I listened to him read the poem of that name, looking out on the same hazy lake, like a dull blade with its edge honed bright. It felt like I was in the real world and his world at once. When walking or working in Dublin, I often take shortcuts through Trinity's campus. I see the lines of visitors queuing for the old library and Book of Kells, and it strikes me that they are literary tourists too. In some cases, fictional worlds have spawned real-life attractions. London's 221B Baker Street first opened as the Sherlock Holmes Museum in 1990. Transylvania's Bran Castle is overrun with visitors, but links with a blood-sucking count are tenuous at best. In Istanbul, Orhan Pamuk conceived of the Museum of Innocence together with his 2008 novel of the same name. Its displays contain items described in the book, including 
4,213 cigarette butts. You can even hear the author's voice on the audio guide. Mali, Dublin's new museum of literature, includes among its exhibits copy number one of Ulysses, the doorstopper handed to James Joyce on the 22nd of February, 1922. 100 years since that publication, this is a super place to stop by and immerse yourself. There are glass cases, but nothing feels stuffy. Molly is pronounced Mali in a nod to Molly Bloom, and multimedia displays and inclusive exhibitions keep things relevant and zippy. Ulysses, a treasure hunt, sees episodes of the novel depicted in small wooden cases dotted around the museum, perfecting its puzzling nature, for example. I read Joyce in Trinity and loved being able to trace the footsteps of its characters outside the college walls. Its forensic detail carries a sadness too, in that lots of locations have disappeared, from number seven Eccles Street to Barney Kiernan's pub. Others, like Swanny's Chemist, just outside the Lincoln Gate, and today run by volunteers who do lunchtime readings, survive. Bloomsday has shown how literary events can bring business into a city, but the Joyce industry also contains cautionary tales about how culture can be reduced to crass commercialism. Souvenir t-shirts, tea towels, a boozy bias towards dead and mostly male writers. It can sometimes feel like a theme park. The challenge, I suppose, is to keep developing a kind of tourism that entertains visitors while respecting local culture, environments, and the author's work. The books we love can provide deeply personal connections to the places we visit. Thoughtful tours, trails, museums, and gatherings can elevate that, bringing books to life for us while creating more sustainable businesses for local communities. As we emerge from the pandemic, it feels like more people will look to travel in more meaningful ways. I plan to do it myself, if I can just overcome my reading problem.